0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the daily podcast that gives you one, just one, wonderful, illuminating, sometimes entertaining, always insightful page of Talmud a day. And today, we are joined back by the rabbinic supervisor, the spirit animal, the great oh, grandmaster of this year' podcast, my friend, my teacher, my rabbi, David Bashevkin. Hello.
1: Okay, it's it's great to be here. Though I got to figure out a way to uh, lose the rabbinic supervisor uh, title.
0: Okay. I don't know, man. I I I hear uh, through the grapevine that you have recently been honored as your high school's most prestigious alum.
1: <laughs> My elementary school, yes. <laughs> man. But, and I, but I was not their first choice. Just to be absolutely clear, that's what sold me on it. He called me up and said. We want you to accept this honoree, and let's be absolutely clear, you are not our first choice. And that's what Saltman said, absolutely. I'd love to be someone's number two.
0: They said, you're only here because Alan Dershowitz said no. (laughs) Exactly,
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) Okay, so as the very, what was the school's name?
1: South Shore Yeshiva.
0: As the the second most brilliant graduate of the South Shore Yeshiva, uh, I hope that you could help me unpack a thorny and kind of complex issue uh, in today's duff Duff 41. Um, I'm going to read for a while because this is a long and intricate paragraph, and then then you're going to explain to me the logic of of what it is that we just read together. So the Mishnah cited a dispute with regard to the order in which one is supposed to recite the blessings when there are many types of food before him. Rabbi Yehuda says, if there is one of the seven species for which Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, was praised among them, he recites the first blessing over it. And the rabbis say, he recites a blessing over whichever of them he wants. Ula said, this dispute is specifically in a case where the blessings to be recited over each type of food are the same. As in that case, Rabbi Yehuda holds, the type of the seven species takes precedence And the rabbis hold, the preferred type takes precedence and a blessing is recited over it first. However, when their blessings are not the same, everyone agrees that one must recite a blessing over this type of food and then recite another blessing over that, ensuring that the appropriate blessing is recited over each type of food. Rabbi Beshevkin. I understand because we've done this for a few days now talking about the specific blessings for specific foods and we have talked about the intricacies in which the rabbis uh, help us figure out the essence of each food and if something was cooked it has a different blessing if if something has two ingredients we bless the ingredient that is more predominant but now they seem to be introducing a, a brand new concept which is the order in which you bless on a table that's filled with all sorts of good food. Correct. Meaning
1: we we have a really difficult time, and it really is a testament to kind of the intentionality and the and the world that the concept of making uh, bruckels creates, where you're looking at food through a totally different lens. And the first step, and what's already been discussed, is trying to figure out, like, well, well, what is this? You know, if you cook a cook a carrot, does that change the nature of the carrot? If you cook, you know, uh, wheat and flour, make them to bread. How does that change the character of the food in terms of the bracha? But now we're almost taking another step forward and saying, what happens when a you have multiple foods in front of you, and secondly, which the Talmud brings up in the kind of the next lines. A food that is comprised of multiple different things, when you have something that's made from multiple ingredients or multiple foods together, how do you decide what blessing to make?
0: All all of these ingredients being as kind of equal and important to making the food what the food is. Correct.
1: So, you know, one question is I go to a Thanksgiving dinner and there's this amazing spread and you've got, you know, beets and pomegranates. I don't know what they serve at Thanksgiving dinners. We we, all, we at, at our <laughs> home on Thanksgiving, my mother would only buy an ice cream turkey cake that would sit in the uh, in the freezer until we, we, we dug it up. So oh, we didn't have a proper my. Thanksgiving, which is why I can't serve as the rabbinic advisor for this. <laughs> I didn't grow up on Thanksgiving. It's not, it's not right. But, but one one situation is when you're coming to a, a meal and you have all these different kinds of food in front of you. And there's a parallel question, which is also what do you have when you have one food that has multiple things? Like you think about a, a piece of chicken that has breading around it. So how do you decide? Do you make a a uh, Blessing over chicken or over that delicious crusty breading that surrounds it. Isn't How the correct
0: blessing of, uh Baruchataranae Borepri HaSchnitzel?
1: Bore puriha It is actually not, and I'm sorry to disappoint your 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 listeners. It is not Bore Puri Hashnitzel. It is actually most people would make a, a shahakol on that type of chicken, but that's, that's a whole nother controversy on how you, what do you view as the main part of that?
0: Right, shahakal, meaning, uh, that, uh, you know, blessed uh, are you, Lord our God, that created everything according to his will. Um, exactly. Uh, okay, so in that case, for example, I, I imagine something like, say, sushi is actually very difficult, right? You have the rice and the fish, and they're, both a an essential part of, of the food but what are you blessed for a salmon avocado roll
1: sushi is like the schrodinger's paradox of blessings because it is comprised of two foods one of which itself is a mess in terms of what blessing do you make on rice which was discussed on the last page right but here you have this item that is tightly woven with rice and there's either raw fish or vegetables inside and you need to figure out it's it's kind of one entity. Should you be making one blessing over the rice, and that's going to include the uh, the vegetables inside? You have to break your rolls all apart. And this has vexed this has vexed uh, rabbinic uh, rabbinic leaders and rabbis all over. What bracha do you make on sushi? Which is actually fascinating to me because the Jewish people and sushi in general have a very complex relationship in my eyes.
0: I would say almost a perverse relationship. I've noticed that anytime you walk into any type of kosher establishment, it could be a a burger joint, a pizza parlor, no matter what it is, there will always be a section, a steakhouse. There'll always be sushi on the menu. This is the mystery of kosher
1: establishments. It 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 is the great mystery. And I would almost say as a rule of thumb, if you're not sure if the pizza restaurant you walked into or the co or the establishment you walked into if you're not sure that it's kosher look around and see if they randomly have a sushi guy if he's there it's probably kosher jews will stick sushi in a random pizza store um that's serving pizza fries what's their third item on the menu you better believe it's sushi
0: is this because um you know we are so excited by the thought of of having to have a long, intricate discussion about which blessing we need to say right now,
1: I, I think it's I think it's that I think a little bit is we love a complex halachic problem. It gets Jews excited. It builds up the appetite before you kind of bite into that slice. You want to really have a, a halachic conundrum to wet your appetite. I think it's because sushi came so late to the kosher world. I think that the kosher world can be measured in the history in terms of what item did they just discover or just make kosher like when <laughs> I was when I was growing up I lived in the kosher revolution of M&Ms and Oreos which became kosher for the first time as a child and it was like the, the, the gates of heaven's opened up And I was probably in my younger teens, maybe in the year 2000, late 90s, when sushi finally became kosher.
0: So now uh, to help those of our listeners who are getting a craving like I am right now for sushi, does today's page uh, or subsequent pages offer any kind of, I I dare not use the word resolution, but any kind of guidance as to how you may address this order issue and how you may uh, look at complex foodstuffs like sushi that have several components that are blissable
1: there are definitely different practices and far be it from me uh to dictate what to do i think some people who are really careful would actually break it apart and for the first bites eat those different pieces individually some people would just eat it as if it was just a big chunk of rice and assume everything else is kind of deferential to the deliciousness of that carb, uh, of the rice carb. Um, But I'm not going to, you know, people, people could look into it, but anytime you pop that California roll into your mouth uh, while you're at that kosher sushi restaurant, uh, you best believe that there are a couple pages of Talmud debating about what blessing you made right before it went into your mouth.
0: David Boshevkin, I don't think I'll ever be able to look at sushi the same way again. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of reading Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Libowitz. our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope you've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.